Hey, it's Bob Stoffer. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Oilers Now ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. This is our number two of Oilers now in a game night. The Edmonton Oilers and the Los Angeles Kings. Kings come in with a record of 10-7-1. The Oilers are 9-7. Los Angeles will start Cal Peterson. The Oilers will start Stuart Skinner. Oilers now is brought to you by our title sponsor, World of Spas. Thomas and his staff at World of Spas, Edmonton's number one hot tub and swim spa dealer, the ideal place to start your daily vacation. Uh, momentarily, we'll go to the River Cree Resort and Casino hotline, uh, but we can tell you, you can text us on the Ashley Fine Floors text line, 780-496-0063. Get the new floors you've always wanted with Ashley Fine Floors, 143rd Street, 111th Avenue, open Monday to Saturday. And do want to mention, Japanese Village, Edmonton's favorite Japanese steakhouse. Reserve your party today at jbedmonton.ca. Multiple locations in the Edmonton region to serve you. It is time. Courtesy of the folks at GCL Diesel, providing genuine diesel parts and turbochargers at great prices since 1972, gcldiesel.com. We welcome back to the show Sportsnet color analyst, Louis DeBrusque. Hi, Louis. How you doing? I'm doing well today, Bob. How are you doing? Good. Today's going to be a long one, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, we were up early this morning. Yeah, we were. But, uh, yeah, it should be a good one. I think it's exciting anytime. The next year after teams have faced each other in the playoffs, I've always felt that that just solidifies the rivalry, makes it that much more of a hype. And listen, it was a great first-round battle last year, I thought. Went to seven games before Edmonton was able to pull it out. But the Los Angeles Kings have gotten healthy. They've made some additions. And this should be a good one tonight. Yeah, and the orders aren't quite as healthy, uh, to say the the, uh, least. Uh, All right, Louie, a couple different themes here. So this is a return engagement. And bad blood used to be spilled back. Like, you guys played Dallas in in the 90s. And I know it, yep. there was. Did you find that there was? It was sort of like it was an annual rite of passage. The star. I know you left in the late nineties, but uh, you played them in the ninety-seven playoffs, and it, you know it, it seemed like Darian Hatcher, as an example, Mavdichuk, and Ludwig. You know everybody in Edmonton hated those guys, respected them, but hated them. Back in the eighties, we all hated the Flames too. Um, it's a different time, or is it, in terms of maybe uh, the potential of what could happen between Edmonton and L.A., especially given what happened with Mikey Anderson and Leon Dreisaitl? Yeah, no, I thought about that, too, and I think, uh, you know, listen, I think that was a fluky injury. I just think he was trying to pull a guy off a pile. I don't think he was trying to bend his leg back the wrong way, but that was what happened in that situation. But who knows? I'm sure there'll be a couple extra cross-checks and sticks and maybe some, some words exchanged for sure and maybe a little bit more, but... You know, here's the thing. That's the that's what playoff hockey does. Playoff hockey intensity breeds that type of rivalry um, for years to come. And that's why I said anytime you play a team in the playoffs, that first game the next year always has a little bit extra because it's carried over from battling each other from four to seven games. And, you know, going toe-to-toe every second night, the intensity ratchets up in the playoffs. You do things to try and win at all costs. And that carries over from year to year to year. And I, and I just always believe that's where 
you know, that animosity, if you want to call it hatred, that rivalry builds and it makes hockey great. I'm sorry, but that's kind of what makes it what it is. I like a little bit of that in the game, that there could be some of that. But I think that both teams coming in here, I don't think they're necessarily looking to try and get even. I think they're trying to get two points. I really do. I think that both teams right now look at the other, understand and respect what the other team has to offer and knows they have to be on their A game to win the hockey game. And, you know, from speaking with both sides today, I think that's kind of what both teams are looking at trying to do in this one tonight. So I don't see a lot of that happening. Um, but who knows? I could be totally wrong. Maybe it'll be a crazy first period and they'll get it out of the way, or maybe they'll just play hockey. Uh, did you play with a player? And we'll circle back to the Oilers and the Kings and the plight of the two teams and the health and all that kind of stuff. Did you ever play with a, a player who lived by the old uh, code, revenge is my destiny? Like, did you? Was there a couple guys that would settle scores from what happened in the past? Oh, yeah. No, 100%. Lots of guys. And. Um, I remember Tony Twist, the legendary tough guy, used to say, you know, he said in a documentary one time years ago, we have memory like elephants. We don't forget things that, you know, wronged us especially or wronged, made us look bad as far as tough guys go. You don't forget that stuff. Um, I think everybody kind of lived by that back in the day a bit, especially if you were a physical player or a tough guy. You'd have an opportunity to write that. You'd have an opportunity to go back out and revisit <laughs> that confrontation, so to speak. And it did on a regular basis. You know, Nick Lakota was a guy I always remembered. He remembered things and he would we would talk about it before the games that I played played with him in Tampa Bay. Fought him a bunch of times before we played together. And I knew that, you know, if you get the better of a guy, then the next time you're gonna go and try and try and do better the next one. Sandy McCarthy, who I also fought a lot and played with in Tampa Bay at that time too was another guy. You know, he remembered every single scrap, every single thing that happened, and if somebody maybe did something that was uh, negative to him or his team, he he had a little extra chip on his shoulder. He was going to, like, you know, go out there and make sure it was a long night. Um, That's just how it was, you know, and that's how the league kept itself honest. And I think that, you know, obviously it's changed immensely now. In 2022, it's a different game, but there's still a little bit of that. Now, it's done in a different way. You You can... Get your revenge on the scoreboard. You can get your revenge with a big hit. You can get your revenge by, you know, dashing a player three or four times, like a guy like Anderson for, say, with Dreisaitl tonight. I'm sure he would feel pretty good if he was to be able to score a few goals with Anderson on the ice. That's going to feel pretty good to him, right? That's how he's going to right that wrong. Um, I don't necessarily think it's going to go the way it would have been the old school of going and tapping him on the shin pads and saying, hey, we're going to have a little scrap right now. I mean, I hope it doesn't go that way because you want Leon Dreisaitl on the ice, and I don't think that's a great exchange for the Oilers personally. But I don't honestly think that it was a play, when I look back at it, it was an unfortunate play. It really was. It was just a play where I don't mind that Anderson was coming in there trying to protect one of his teammates. He grabbed a real good player, pulled him back, and he unfortunately got hurt in that play. But uh, I don't know. I honestly don't don't sense that there's going to be a lot of extra done tonight. But like I said before, sometimes it just takes one thing to happen, and the next thing you know, um, things get off the rails a bit. Yeah, well, I mean, it is a completely different time from, yeah. you know, Shane Corson grabbing Dana Merzen and just pumping him and then staring down the crowd as he, you know, skated off the ice in an underrated moment in Oilers history for me. Yeah, I think, you know, I think... I really do think that especially the players we're talking about and how the game is now, I just think that they they remember stuff just like we did, but their redemption is going out there and playing better the next game, going out there and beating that team. I truly believe that. I really think that's kind of the mentality of a lot of players now is 
I just need to be better against that individual or against that team, and I have to come out and bring my A game. And, and again, it went seven games last year, and the Los Angeles Kings without some real key players. Drew Doughty was out of that series. Arvidsson was out of that series. I mean, those are two big guys in themselves right there. They had some young guys step up that are now uh, more seasoned because of that experience. And I, I just I, I think they're a real strong team. I do. And I think Edmonton knows that, and they're ready for it. Yeah. Uh, how much are they going to miss uh, Vander Kane and Connor Yamamoto? Uh, a ton. You know, just from the elements we talked about, the physical side of things, you know, Evander Kane is a physical player, uh, always top on hits, always one of the top hitters on his team, um, plays that north and south game, obviously a great finisher as well and scores a lot of goals in that regard. So you miss that energy, right? You miss that that straightforward forechecking speed that also finishes with usually a big check, keeps defensemen honest on their on their heels. And, you know, Yamamoto is similar in that regard. When he's fully healthy and fully engaged, he's a tenacious sport checker, a tenacious, tenacious pressure of the puck anywhere it is on the ice. And that's his strength. So when he's physically um, feeling pain somewhere, he can't be as assertive. I thought he had a pretty strong game his last game. He had five hits in that game, um, didn't play the next game versus um, – Carolina. Carolina, yeah, Carolina. So I thought he was excellent against Tampa. Though I thought it was a a step in the right direction for Yamamoto in the sense that that's what I believe triggers his game. I think when he is that honey badger, I like to call him the honey badger out there. Great things happen when he's on the ice because he's just disrupting. You know, he's disrupting the play. He's turning pucks over, and you know he's not the biggest of guys. And I know he's worked hard to put in some weight on trying to get stronger, but at the same time, he needs all of that to go up against some of the big boys like the Victor Hedmans of the world that he was going up against that night or the Sergachevs or, you know, you look over and um, you see the defensemen of the Tampa Bay Lightning. They're not for the faint of heart. They're a big group, right? So you have to be aggressive on that forecheck and physical. Obviously took a toll on them. I don't know what the injury is to Yamamoto, but they will miss that tenaciousness. They will miss that aggressiveness. So therefore, it's up to other guys to step up. We saw Warren Fogel step up in the absence of Vander Kane, get an opportunity on that left side with Dreisaitl and Hyman, and I like the line. Um, north and south, the one thing about Fogel is he's a big guy. He works hard, um, has never been afraid to get in there into the dirty areas of the game, which, which will bode him well and hunting down pucks and getting into the right hands and then getting into the right position and having that shooting mentality. Um, so looking forward to see how he can continue to handle those minutes. And and then again, for Yamamoto, it's somebody that's got to fill that hole too. Um, as far as the penalty kill goes, as far as just five on five, that tenaciousness working with speed. So it won't be easy, but that's got to be the next man up mentality um, because there's nothing else you can do about it. You, you you have to have other guys do a little bit more collectively to try and fill that void. Louis DeBrus for GCL Diesel joining us in Oilers now. It's currently 116 in Edmonton. Bob Stafford Rogers plays in Ice District. Oilers in the LA Kings tonight. That's an 822 puck drop late night. Uh, Louis, uh, so we, we know Kane's going to be out several months, and we're not sure what the status is in Yamamoto. We will talk about goaltending and defense in a second. But would you like to see the Oilers and Ken Holland possibly look at adding a different type of dimension, a little bit more physicality uh, in a potential trade down the road? Absolutely. Uh, I think that it's you know something we've talked about a lot, and I, I don't think for a second that they're not looking at it themselves. Um, the way they want to play is going to take a toll on the team, and the way they want to play is an aggressive, hard game with pressure and they want to be physical and that's from to a man that doesn't necessarily mean there's not designated hitters anymore although there are guys that hit a lot 
it should be everybody that's hitting. It should be everybody that's finishing checks. It doesn't have to be a bone-crushing hit through the wall, but it's the pressure. It's the quickness that you get there with that can be really intimidating. And I think that's the way every team wants to play now. And in doing so, over 82 games, you're going to have guys that are banged up. You're going to have guys take some liberties on you. And you need certain individuals that are there to kind of protect in that regard and protect with their presence, to protect with their physicality. doesn't have to necessarily be dropping the gloves, but it's tenacious, hard-nosed guys that are really difficult to play against that we talk about all the time when we see them around the league. And I think they're always coveted players. So I wouldn't be surprised at all, especially into the middle part of the season, down the stretch, and into the playoffs, which is the goal for this team and every team, that's the type of player that's going to push you through. And when you get into the playoffs, you, you have to have those heavy players that you know can grind and work through difficult times in the game. We're joined right now by Louis DeBrus. Louis, lots of conversation on yesterday's show. We had Mike McKenna talking about Jack Campbell and several facets, including his equipment that needs to improve. It's yeah. early. It's early here for Jack Campbell. Uh, we know that Skinner's getting the call tonight. Are you concerned, or do you think, uh, hey, let's be premature to, to, to be concerned yet? Well, no, I think there's a little concern. There has to be concern with just the nature of some of the goals, and obviously we've seen a couple go by the glove hand side, and him take that long, hard look at his glove hand. I mean, I think he was in position to make those saves, which is a real positive, but the fact that it got through him somehow I think is concerning, and I, and I would suggest that Jack would say the same thing himself. He felt that puck hit his glove. He felt like he had it, so... Um, I'm not I'm not going to be the guy that says, listen, you have to change your gear because I know how particular goaltenders are about equipment. I truly do. It's it's uh, They're on an island as far as the position they play on the team with the other goaltender, respectively, that they're playing with alongside. Um, it's a completely different role that I, uh, I can't speak intelligently about, you know, what goes through their mind as far as the way the equipment feels. But I know from my own perspective, it's a very particular thing. And that's with any player in the National Hockey League. You heard Jay Woodcroft talk about it. He was asked about the glove of Evander Kane and would it have maybe been different if he had longer cuffs on his gloves. Well, here's the thing. Um, everybody has to feel good when they put their equipment on. It doesn't matter how much protection you have. If you don't like the way it feels, it's going to be very difficult for you to go out there and be at the top of your game. So I've always kind of had the opinion, you have to make that decision yourself. But the fact that he's looked a couple times at that glove, I wouldn't be surprised if he's thinking about either changing or bolstering. I mean, let's face it, the equipment managers and equipment guys in this league can do wonderful things. We don't call them MacGyvers for nothing. <laughs> you know what I mean? They can make things happen that you never thought was possible. I remember one time Stan Wilson in Phoenix you know, rebuilt my skates overnight. It was incredible. I couldn't believe the time that he spent in doing that. And I came to the rink next day and, you know, I was a fourth line grind, but he treated me like everybody else. And I was ecstatic when I walked in there and my skates were rebuilt because I'd lost all the stability in the skates. And uh, he went to work and, 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 and put them together for me. So I'm sure there's discussions being had right now with Jack and we'll get into that a little bit more. Maybe you get a chance to talk to him about that. But it's concerning, but at the same time, it's a long season. And he's gotten some run support in the games in which he's given up some goals, which is a great sign. And I've said this all along, there's going to be a time when Jack Campbell is bailing the team out. It will happen. It happens every single year that the goaltender goes on a roll where you win some games that maybe you shouldn't have won because the goaltender's that good. It's still early in the season. I think that Stuart Skinner is doing a great job of stepping in there right now and allowing Jack Campbell to kind of work on some things and get his game back. And that's exactly what you want to have in a pairing. So 
I'm not trying to sugarcoat this. He needs to be better. He knows that. The team needs to be better. They know that. But at the same time, I do feel that he will work it out and get his game going. And there's going to be a time where we're going to have a conversation, Bob, that we talk about how well Jack Campbell's playing and that the team needs to play a little better in front of him because he's making a lot of saves that he maybe shouldn't be making. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm hopeful, and I believe that's going to happen, and only time will tell. But it does every year. It's a long up-and-down season that you just try and ride the highs and the lows and keep it somewhere in the middle. And uh, that's what he's trying to do right now. All right, Jack. Uh, so here's the deal here, Louie. Uh, 121 in Edmonton. I, I want to have a little bit of fun right now. And I'm going to ask you to put your thinking hat on back to your playing days. Jack took on an incredible amount of ownership after his performance against Dallas. Called yeah. his uh, performance uh, pathetic so far this season, which I thought actually went too far because I didn't want to give the Oilers a free pass because they get schooled in that game. By the way, yep. it was a rookie party that night for Dallas in Edmonton. They made the most of it. The Oilers made the most of their rookie party. Uh, uh, you know, they were going to have the event in the team, a team uh, bonding event. That's what the euphemism we use now. Uh, they are much different today, are they not, than when you guys were coming through the league back in the day? Well, they weren't a guarantee. It wasn't always, it didn't happen every year, just depending on the schedule. It wasn't something that. I don't think every team did, but I think every team does it now. I, if I had to, if I had to say that's the biggest difference is that I think every year there is one, and whether it's one rookie or ten rookies that are on the team, um, that would be the only difference. And I mean, uh, they might get a little more expensive nowadays <laughs> with you know some of the money the guys are making. That would probably be the other difference, but. It's all relevant. It's it's kind of a rite of passage, I think, for young players that come into the league. And how bad you know, did you they, get stuck with the bill? I never did get stung. I was the only rookie on the team. I only played twenty five games the first year, and so I wasn't considered a rookie the next year. I don't think we had one. To be honest, we didn't have one one year. So that's what I'm saying. Like it wasn't something that was done every year. And then when we started to get more rookies on the team, we did it again. So I kind of bypassed it. Believe it or not, I never had to do it. Well, I, lost a, I lost a couple birds in the bush, though, for big meals, though, so I guess I, I paid in that regard. Yeah. You know, we go out for groups where you'd have 10, 15 guys at the table, and the credit card game or the birds in the bush game would be played to, to pay the bill, and I you think, get bid a few times throughout the year, so it evens itself out eventually. I think Tampa wants to go for a walk in the bush. I can hear him. In the oh, back. you can hear him, yeah. He's, he's acting up. He's getting fired up. Lou, let's try to have some fun tonight. Let's do it, bud. All right, sounds good. There you go. That is Louis DeBras from NHL Hockey on Rogers for GCL Diesel. Uh, of course, he'll be part of the television broadcast tonight with Jack Michaels and Gene Principe. Uh, Jason Strudwick and myself will be on during the intermissions on the NHL Hockey on Rogers sign, uh, side. Louis DeBrasque uh, from NHL Hockey and Rogers is our Oilers Now headliner for Wilhock Beef Jerky. It just might be... What do you mean it just might be? It is the best you've ever tasted. Search for Wilhock, W-I-L-H-A-U-K today. Multiple locations in the Edmonton area to serve you. When we come back, uh, we'll get to the Oilers now. Injury report for our friends at James H. Brown. Saw them this morning. And, uh, yeah, we'll read some of your texts as well. This is Oilers now. It's 124 at Edmonton. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. 
Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. Let's go to the orders now. Injury report brought to you all season long by James H. Brown. Injury lawyers saw Jim Brown and Trent Brown today uh, at our uh, event out of the Derrick this morning at uh, 7 a.m. Unrivaled experience, unrivaled commitment, unrivaled results. It's just simple. James H. Brown, they're the best. They've got the most experience, and uh, they get you the best results. No question about it. Well, Evander Kane out multiple months and uh, uh, he went and saw a hand specialist today, Jay Woodcroft said. Uh, this could be a long process for him to get all the way back. That is a given. Uh, Tyler Benson is close to a return. Likely will have to get sent to Bakersfield for a conditioning stint. Connor Yamamoto, no update on him day-to-day, according to Oilers head coach Jay Woodcroft yesterday. Uh, this story just moved on uh, tsn.ca. It's funny, somebody sent me a, uh, a story on McDavid and Nurse, but the story that caught my eye, Hamilton Bulldogs owner Michael Andelauer and Oshawa General uh, General's owner Rocco Tulio have formed a partnership to buy the Ottawa Senators. This according to Bruce Garriock from uh, Post Media. Tulio is the father of Oilers prospect Kai Tulio, Rocco Tulio. Uh, Tulio owns Windsor-based Rock Developments, uh, he offered uh, late Sens owner Eugene Melnick $650 million for the franchise late last year, but Melnick was not interested in selling that time. Andelar is a Toronto billionaire whose company, Andelar's Healthcare Group, was recently valued at $2.2 billion. He owns 20% of the Montreal Canadiens. He attended a uh, board of governors meetings with the majority Habs owner Jeff Molson. He also tried to purchase the senator several years ago. If you uh, recall, if you listened to the show, we did mention that we thought Michael Andelar, uh, we talked about Steve Stales and the fact that Steve Stales was Andelar's uh, right-hand man as president GM of the Hamilton Bulldogs. Um, interesting, to say the least, uh, on the Andelar and Tulio fronts involved potentially in buying the Ottawa Senators. 129 in Edmonton, off to a global news weather traffic update with Kevin Robertson back with David Staples from the Cult of Hockey when we return in Oilers Now.